will talk before you You silence the most of sin and grave The heavens are roaring The praise of your glory For you are raised to life again you have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign, yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name of all names, and what a powerful name. part of that bridge let's remind ourselves who conquered death Jesus conquered death hallelujah hallelujah and overcomers we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb hallelujah we got the resurrection life in us the resurrection of Jesus yes death could not hold you veil taught before you silence the bones
you spoke a word you were singing over me you have been so so good to me before I took a breath you breathe your life in me yes. You have been so, so kind to me Oh, they overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love, God Still I'm found thieves that I deny I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it Still you give yourself away Holy, overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love Shadow you won't 
God is good. Amen. Let's just lift up a shout of praise. Our God is good. Lord, we worship you. We bless you. We praise your holy name, God. There is none like you. There is no God like you. I want to thank the worship team this morning. You guys did a great job. I want to also welcome Taylor and Coco here. Taylor and Coco O'Connor. Uh, you know, for those of you that are, you know, kind of new to the light, they were uh, worship leaders about, I don't know, 20 years ago at the light. They were also youth group leaders about 20 years ago at the light. So we're going back a long, long time. Anyway, glad you guys are here this morning. So um, let's see. Let me just kind of give you a rundown of what's going on today. Um, I, I probably, this is normally Nina's job, you know, so I feel I'm kind of feeling lost here. Um, so we've got uh, today, uh, we've got communion after the service. And uh, this is, uh, normally we do communion first Sunday of every month, but in the summer when we have our picnics, we switch it to the second Sunday. So today's the second Sunday, so we're going to have that after the service. And then immediately following that, or with about a, a five or ten minute break, we have our annual corporate meeting. You know, this is uh, one of those things that uh, we just have to do as a, as a church. Uh, our bylaws, uh, you know, uh, state that, and so... Uh, this is where we present our budget to the church, which talks about how we spend our money, where your money goes, and uh, we've got it going from everywhere to staff to, you know, paying the lights in the building to uh, uh, missions. And so, uh, Jim, I think, will share a little bit about what's going on with missions, and Jason will share a little bit about what's going on with youth and different ministries that are going on. So, uh, anyway, so if you could have, you know, have the time, I hope you would hang out for that. Um, and then um, just want to give you an update on the building next door. And, you know, it seems like, you know, not everybody's on the same page with this. Uh, let me just kind of give you a little history of how we got to where we are next door. Um, about a year ago, uh, this, this, the church was occupying not only the church space, but the school space, which is next door. And um, so the church had free use of that. Uh, there's two different owners here. 
Uh, school is owned independently. Church owns this property right here. But the church was freely using the school side for the last, I don't know, 10 or 12 years. And then we had a school that came in, Tierra and Cantata Charter School came in. They leased the building from us. And so that made the squeeze a little tighter for us. The kitchen facility, cafeterias, all the classrooms that we wanted no longer were available to us. And so about a year ago, after the school came in, uh, our church board, deacons and elders, decided that we should go ahead and complete a plan. There was actually a plan for a youth facility, youth group facility next door. Um, we had volunteers. We had uh, Scott Moots, uh, Advanced Concrete, uh, volunteered, paid, the, uh, paid for the slab. Steve Valdez had donated some time and money for um, uh, the plumbing next door. But then we, all of that got put on hold for a couple of years. And then last year, after, as I mentioned, after the school came in, it kind of forced us to move forward with that plan. So what we have next door is we have a large fireside room like we have right here, except it's larger, and we have a kitchen next door because we lost the kitchen in the lease to the, uh, to the school, and we have three classrooms upstairs. And where we are on that, we've got everything paid for. That, you know, this church, we operate, we, we, we have no debt on any of our building here. We have a 16-acre campus, and we've got, you know, about 25 or 30,000 square feet of just church space alone, no debt on it at all, and that's the way we choose to operate. You know, if we don't have the money to build it, we're not going to build it. But uh, we're at that place where we've been saving money and taking money out of tithes and offerings for a building fund. And uh, we have right now, um, this building is absolutely enclosed. We have a roof on it. All our doors and windows are in, so we're weatherproof. And our goal was really to kind of, they're actually putting the color code on this next week. So when you come next Sunday, uh, the building will look, it'll match the rest of the, you know, the, the main building. But that still leaves us, um, with the money that we've been saving, we're just about at the end of our financial rope, uh, and the building's still not complete. So we're about, uh, I don't know, between eighty dollars and $100,000 short of finishing the building. So if you want to, you know, when you're giving your tithes and offerings, and I'm not begging you, I'm just putting it out there. If you want to make a contribution to that, you certainly can. Um, and that what we need is insulation, sheetrock, painting, and upstairs floors, and we need a fire sprinkler system. All of that comes to, I don't know, depending on the final bids that we get, you know, uh, around $100,000. Um, so what we're going to have in the next couple of weeks, and I've talked to some of you guys about it. I've talked to, I see Justin back there in the back, and and uh, his brother Tyler. I don't know if he's here today, and Cameron. You know, I've been talking to some of these guys about we're going to have a sheetrock party. Mike Monet, where's Mike at today? He, is he here? Or I just volunteered Mike and all the other contractors in the church I'm volunteering too. So we're going to have like a, like a Saturday morning, we're going to have a little sheetrock party uh, where we can come in. We got, it doesn't make any difference if you know how to do sheetrock or not. If you can carry sheetrock, you know, you qualify, okay? And it doesn't have to be men. You know, we, we, we can do men and women on this thing. But we're going to get all the sheetrock up in the next couple of weeks, you know, probably by the end of the month. Hopefully we'll have all the sheetrock up. And uh, try to get this place where we can, it's not just an attachment, but we can actually use it. And that's what it's built for. And so, you know, I, I just believe that, you know, um, that God's doing the work in our church. And as I mentioned last week, you know, people go to churches for all kinds of reasons. But I'm, I'm hoping that you're here today 
to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. Because this church is not about me, and it's not about our worship team, as good as they are. You know, this church is about coming into a place, a safe environment, regardless of what you believe. You know, I, I don't care what you believe. I'm just glad that you're here. And I just believe that over a period of time, if you're, you've come in today as a seeker, if you come in today just kind of kicking the tires and wanting to check us out, that's fine. I am glad you're here because I believe that when you walk into the presence of God, everybody that walked into the presence of Jesus Christ walked away a different person. They either walked away happy or glad or they walked away mad, but they walked away a different person. But I'm hoping that when you walk into this place that you're coming to experience God. And, you know, if you've got a drug problem, I know that, personally speaking, I know that God can help you. I know that God can heal you. If you've got a pornography problem or a sexual problem or addiction problem or an anger problem or a hate problem, I know that the God that I serve can heal you and he can deliver you. And not church and not religion. It's not church and religion that can help you in that. It's the very presence of the living God when you walk in. That's why the Bible says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. That means, you know, you don't have to just kind of be sheepish about it. You can walk right in. Because of the blood of Jesus, he's made a way for you and I to come in to his presence. And we walk into his presence we can find help. That's what that scripture says out of Hebrews. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we can find help in our hour of need. And some of you are in an hour of need right now. You need the help of Jesus Christ. You need the presence of God in your life. And I believe me, I'm telling you, when you show up, he'll show up. All right? That's a promise. That's one of those promises of God. All right. There's other stuff that I'm supposed to be doing while I'm up here. Um, taking up an offering. Okay. So we're going to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, while you guys are coming to take up the offering. So on Wednesday night, you know, we uh, several times throughout the years, uh, we'll do three or four times, we'll try to do a series. And, uh, you know, so we've learned from experience that uh, anything over four weeks, you guys, I don't care how committed you are, sometimes you just get tired and weary and things come up. But so when we have a six or an eight week uh, series, I'm going to talk to these guys over here, okay, for a little while. So when we have a six or an eight week uh, series, it seems like people just kind of give up. But we're getting ready to do a four week series on the Holy Spirit. And I know that, I mean, there's been tons of books that have recently been written about the Holy Spirit. Uh, one, you know, Francis Chan has got one out, and, you know, a uh, uh, number of other, uh, Rick Warren's got one out. I think Robert Morris has got one out. The Forgotten God, uh, you know, so, I mean, we know a lot about the Father. We know a lot about the Son. But remember what Jesus said. He, when he, he was with the disciples, he said, the Scripture said that he was on the earth for 50 days from Passover to Pentecost. He was on the earth for 50 days, uh, you know, talking to them about the kingdom of God. And one of the things that he talked about, and one of the main things that he said to them was, I want you, the disciples, to go to Jerusalem and wait there until you receive power from on high. Uh, and that was going to be the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk about that, all the aspects of the Holy Spirit. So we're meeting this coming Wednesday night, and we're starting at 6.30, 6.30. So we'll have, we, kind of, we did this before. We have, I don't know, we'll have, you know, seven, eight, ten tables set up in here, uh, as many as are required for the amount of people that we have. We have group leaders. So we'll watch a video, and then we'll also have just kind of group discussion. So I really want to encourage you to come, because I believe that th this is something that's lacking in many of our lives, you know, that we need the power of the Holy Spirit. If you feel like, 
you know, God, there's got to be more to the Christian life than what I'm living right now. You are, I mean, you're a prime candidate for being baptized, the immersion, the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. And you may say, well, didn't I get the Holy Spirit when I first believed? Yes, you did. And the disciples got the Holy Spirit when they first believed too. When you remember in that, in that room when Jesus just kind of walked through the room, you know, all the locked doors, all the locked windows, and Jesus shows up in that room, and he breathes on them and tells them to receive the Holy Spirit. I believe that they received it then. But then he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait until the fullness, the power of the Holy Spirit comes in your life. Guys, I want to just tell you, I know that I need it. And after that occasion, after that event happened in Jerusalem, the Bible says that the disciples were filled again, and then they were filled again, and then they were filled again. So we constantly need to be filled with God's power and God's Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, this is for you. It's for me as well, and I'm excited about it. I hope you're going to be here. How many of you are going to be here? I need to see a, a show of hands. Okay, all right. Uh, the rest of you, your neighbor that didn't raise his hand, why don't you just reach over and just kind of like lift their hand up, okay? All right. All right. No, I'm just kidding. You know, I, w- I want you to be here as, as your pastor. I'm telling you, this is something good for you. This is something that you need. So I want you to be here. And if you missed the first week, I know some of you guys are going to be out of town on vacation, but, you know, just show up week number two and uh, four weeks. I think we start, it's uh, July the 11th and August the 1st is the, the uh, Wednesday. That's our final uh, evening. So we're going to, have I got everything covered, Nina? Okay. All right. Did I do okay? Okay, all right, all right. All right, guys, come on up. We're going to take up our offering this morning. And I'm trying out for a new job, a new position here. Did I pass the audition? (laughs) All right, thank you, guys. Love you guys. You know what? I mean, I I really do. I love every one of you guys. I pray for you all the time. I see you in my dreams and think about you throughout the day, and I pray for you. And, and, you know, I just want to encourage you, you know, this— this walk is not meant to be done alone. God is, you know, God did not put you here to be an orphan, you know, on this earth. And, uh, you know, that's why God has called us as brothers and sisters to be encouragers. Remember, we talked about Barnabas a couple of weeks ago, how he was a bold encourager. I want us to all be encouragers as well. And I see you guys fanning back there. Is it hot in here this morning? Is that just the fire of God or? Okay. All right. All right. All right, Gary, he's fanning himself back there too, so all right. Lord, we bless you this morning. I want to just thank you for life and for your goodness. We thank you for your word, and just thank you, Father, for uh, being the God that you are, Lord, that uh, when we were in the, walking through this life and no one cared for us, Lord, when we were down and out and uh, at our worst, your word says that you commended your love toward us, and while that we were yet sinners... You didn't see anything good in us, God. There was nothing good in us. But your word says that you commended your love to us when we were yet sinners, that Jesus died for the ungodly. And, Lord, that was me. That was me. I was at the top of the list of the ungodly. And, Lord, I know and I'm so grateful that you loved me and died for me, gave your life for me, and brought me in, washed me and cleansed me, and still are doing a work in my life, God. And I'm grateful. I'll be for eternally grateful for all you've done in my life. And I know these folks feel the same way, God. We just stop for a minute and just say, thank you, Jesus, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the impact and the change that you made in my life. And thank you for the changes that are to come. 
Lord, we ask that you would uh, bless the offerings this morning, and I uh, thank you for generous hearts. Lord, your word says that you love a cheerful giver, and we uh, are grateful for all of the, the donations and the tithes and offerings that come in. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. There is one thing that you need to hear above everything else. Jesus died for you. Despite everything you have done in your entire life, God loved you so much that he was willing to send his only son down to the earth to live a perfect life and then die for you. What sort of crazy love is this? That a perfect God would give up his perfect son so that people like you and me could be redeemed. He paid the ransom for our sins, providing us a way of escape from eternal punishment. He offered us a chance at life and life to the full. He offered us freedom in him. What did Jesus do? He did everything. I want you to fully understand what this means. I want you to comprehend the cost involved, the torment he suffered, and the separation from God he experienced. Once you understand what he really did, you begin to understand what you are worth to him. You begin to understand that his love is unsurpassable. It is extravagant, glorious, perfect. You might say, I don't deserve his love. Nobody does. That's why it's a gift. Despite our messed up lives, we get to receive God's love by accepting his son, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. A lot of people will tell you that there are many ways to be saved, but the truth is that salvation is only accomplished through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, he died but then he also rose again so that you and I might be forgiven of our sins and made alive in him. You want to find salvation? Find Jesus. You want to know what it's like to be set free? Know Jesus. This is the deciding moment. This is your chance to truly begin to seek God. If you're thinking, I've tried before and it just doesn't seem real to me. I feel like God is just an idea sitting out there in space and he really doesn't have a lot of effect on my life. Listen to me. If you have not experienced the life-changing power of God, chances are you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life. God is real. Jesus is real. And if you believe in Him, He will change your life. You won't be the same person anymore. You will be a new creation in Him. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All right, let's give Edward a warm welcome. We can do better than that. Come on, let's give it, let, let him know. We're glad he's here. Let's give God a warm welcome, amen? Isn't God good? Isn't God good? You know, this morning, I, I just want to give my pastor's honor this morning for sharing the, the platform with me this morning. It's always an honor to stand before you and share the Word of God. Um, I, I've gotten to know Pastor Ron, and he is such a man of character. I love him. Um, he's, 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 been, he's become a spiritual father to me. Uh, I just love spending time with him. If you haven't had the chance to meet this man, you need to meet him. He's a great man. He, 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 when he says that he's praying about you and thinking about you, he is praying about you and thinking about you. 
Well, this morning, I'm going to start off with a little story. And if you don't mind, if you don't mind this morning, I'm going to do a little bit of me for like three minutes. It's all relative to the lesson, so don't, don't, don't think that I'm just going off on a tangent. It's all relative to the lesson. Um, we just had the opportunity uh, a couple weeks ago. We were in Canada. And uh, I had, you know, I, I, first of all, I want to thank God for my wife because I have a bucket list. I have all these crazy ideas and all these crazy things that I want to do. And I always hear people, married people, tell me, well, uh, you know, a lot of people won't get married. I, I know a gentleman that won't get married because he thinks that if he gets married, his wife will crush his dreams and he'll never be able to do what he wants to do. And, and it breaks my heart because the Bible says that two will become one. And even though she doesn't really desire these things, she's been with me as I've accomplished a lot of points on my bucket list. For those of you who know what a bucket list is, it's things you want to accomplish before you die. Um, and they're crazy things. She's been right by my side. She's never complained. Um, and I just want to thank God for, for, for a wife that loves God, that loves God enough to love me. There's a couple of things that you need to know about my wife. Um, when we were younger, I did not look like she wanted me to look. God told her I was going to be her husband. And, you know, she tells this story to the youth as we were at youth camp. And, I, you know, they, they come back and tell it to me. And I'm like, wait, hold on. And, oh, he was a nerd. He looked terrible. And, I mean, going on and on. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Let's back up with her. Look at this. I was like a toad that became the Prince Charming, I guess. I don't know. But that's, that's kind of what she thinks. And so, you know, I had this dream in my heart that I wanted to go to Banff National Park, Jasper National Park, and Kootenay National Park in Canada. Um, most beautiful place I have ever seen. It is gorgeous. I mean, everything, and to just to give you a little bit of reference, I really studied about it. Books I had read, TV shows I had seen, um, people that I had talked to had, had, had said certain things about the park, so I had to go. I mean, I was there. I had to go. It Bucket list, that was like right on, up there on the top of my bucket list. And one of the dreams I had is to camp in Jasper because it, Jasper's so far north that there's actually mountain caribou up in Jasper. And if you know anything about caribou, it's got to be pretty bad for there to be caribou. I mean, it's got to get pretty cold, and the, and, and the terrain's got to be, you know, something crazy. So, you know, we're, we're, one, one day we're driving into, into Jasper, the campground, and this is why I love my wife. We're, we're driving in. I've got my tent. I've got our sleeping bags, and we're going we're gonna to camp at one of the camping grounds there in Jasper. And we drive in, and... As we're driving in, um, the park rangers right on the side, you have to check in. Uh, let me tell you something. Canada and the United States are completely different. You get a campground in Canada, you got wood, you got running water, you got showers, you got everything. So it's like being at home kind of, except in a tent. So anyways, um, we drive in and we're talking to the ranger and the ranger says, oh, good, welcome. And she began to tell us everything that there was in the area. And she says, oh, by the way, make sure you hide all your food. Um, we just got reports that there was a grizzly bear in loop six. Now, my wife, her eyebrows raised, her eyes open. She leaned over. You have to understand, she's in the passenger seat. She leans over, excuse me? Uh, in, it, where did you say that was? In loop six. And I'm like, now, uh, she just had this look of concern. Now, I'm going to tell you something. My reaction and her reaction were completely different because deep down inside, this is what I'm doing. Yeah! A 
grizzly bear, yeah! I'm like so excited because this is bucket list number one. I want to camp where there's grizzly bears. And I'm just, oh, I'm like, where's, where's Loop 6? I'm going to drive to her Loop 6. And my wife has this concern. I mean, she's, I just stayed quiet because I know that I saw fear in her. And I'm excited. I'm like, I'm going to see a grizzly bear. And I'm not going to see him from far. I'm going to see him close. And I got my spray. And if he does come after me, I'm going to use it on him. I'm just ready. So I, I, as we get there... There's so much anticipation. I'm so excited. And my wife has, you know, as soon as we drove off, she says, well, because we're staying, we're staying in Loop 29, just to give a little bit of reference. We were staying in Loop 29. So just to give a little bit of reference, my, my wife looks to me and she says, does she know that grizzly bears walk? Because <laughs> the, she told us, don't worry about it. You're in Loop 29. And she, we're driving off. And she says, does she know that grizzly bears walk? And I could see that there was concern in her heart. And I, 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 man, I couldn't sleep then. I was so excited. I'm waiting for a grunt or a snort or something. I wake up. This is no lie. I mean, the second the sun came up, I jumped in my truck and I took every forest road I could find. I took every back road I could find and I'm looking for a grizzly bear. I want to see a grizzly bear. I didn't see a grizzly bear. Man, I tell you. But I just thank God that even in my wildest ways, I, under, I understand that we're not all the same. Your dreams and my dreams are completely different. I understand that some of you are like Jacob. You like being at home with mama. You like cooking. You like, and and that, that, that's all good. God made me an Esau. I love to be in the mountains. I love to be in the wild. I love to be where there's wild animals. I, I just love that. And God made us all differently. I say that to say this. One of the pictures I had that, that I had seen, if you can put that picture up. This was one of the pictures I saw from Canada that, that man, when I saw this, I said, I got to go there. There's no, there's no way I can go to Canada and not go there. And I don't know who those people are. I just took it off the internet. But this is my wife on a rowboat, on a, on a canoe, paddling right in front of me. Now, we can't play the video because the video wouldn't play. But if you would see it, you would see her just working and working and working. And I'm in the back just, you know, taking pictures. <laughs> It really wasn't that bad. For a little while she rode, and that's when I took the opportunity to, opportunity to take pictures. But, you know, God is so good. I say all that to say this. You know that God really cares about you. God loves you. The problem with, the problem that some of us have is that we limit God. This morning's lesson is entitled, Expectation Equals Faith. Amen? With expectation, I mean, they're both the same. Expectation is the same thing as faith. And we limit God sometimes. We don't understand how good God is. I know in my heart that God gives me the desires of my heart. God loves me that much. He cares about me. He allowed me the opportunity to travel to Canada, and I've, I've always wanted to do that. And I just thank God that he put me with a partner that sees the worth in me that she can stand beside me and say, hey, I want to go too. Um, I, I, you know, I did plan some stuff for her too. Don't, don't, I want you guys to think that, like, it was all about me. I did, I did, I, you know, I did some special things for her as well because I knew that, you know, she was giving up her time and I wanted her to enjoy the trip just as much as I did. But the thing is that sometimes we have these dreams, but fear comes in, doubt comes in, and we feel like we can never achieve our dreams. And that's not what the Bible tells me about God. God tells me that he cares about me. He loves me. He knows the desires of my heart. And he will grant the desires of my heart. And 
as we were there, um, we were in Banff, we were in Lake Louise on a Friday, and I had, I had planned on being up there till Sunday or Monday and then coming down slowly, but something happened, well, after we made these plans. There's a youth camp called YFN, and we scheduled a week, which was the 25th through the 29th, and our youth group was headed to Dallas, Texas. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. We're headed to Dallas, Texas. Uh, my wife will attest to this. She probably had to pull me out of Canada kicking and crying, and I wanted to throw in my little temper tantrum because I wanted to stay in Canada. I wanted to be there so bad. But once we left, you know, I under, you know, once we left, that was just a temporal thing, but once we left, I understood that we needed to be there. I needed to be there. God had something for me. God had something for these young people. God is so good. God is so good. And this morning, I just want to lift up a gentleman real quick. I know that a few years ago, he was placed in youth ministry, not by choice, not because he was the most gifted or the most handsome, but he was placed there out of necessity. Um, Jason, God placed you there through a necessity, and I, know, I, I don't know how comfortable you were taking it. I don't even know if you felt like taking it, but you took it. And I've been with Jason for two years already. And I want to tell you what. Youth pastor is not a title in his life. He has a calling to be our youth pastor. I watched him with these young people. He is Pastor, pastor Jason Sebesta. He loves these young people. I want to give him honor for allowing us to go. I want to give the church honor for allowing us to go. Uh, we were able to go. We took eight leaders with us. Eight leaders? Eight leaders with us. And we had eight leaders at $400 a piece. And the church provided for every single leader to go without having to pay. And I just want to thank, I want to thank you all so much. That was such a blessing. You have blessed us. You blessed our youth. I know there were some, 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 some teenagers that, that got sponsored, some teenagers that, that didn't have the money, but they got sponsored. I just want to thank you all for believing in the youth ministry, believing in what God is doing. We came down, and the camp was a little crazy. We go to camp, and I went from 60 degrees, 70 degree, nice, beautiful mountains to 101 degrees. It was terrible. It was sweaty. It was just awful. But something happened at this camp, and I'm going to bring Josh up. Josh, where are you? Josh is hiding. There he is, Josh. Hey, Josh. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Josh. I have the opportunity to work with Josh. See, the thing I love about working with youth and, and, and people is I, God points out gifts. This young man is an anointed man of God. He has character. He has integrity. God has such a calling in your life, Josh. I, I want to publicly say that you are such an inspiration. I look up to you. I, I have so many hopes for you because I know when God begins to work in your life the way he's going to, that you are one day going to be standing up here, if not in front of thousands, doing what God has called you to do. So what I want Josh to do is Josh is really quickly going to share a testimony of what happened to him at YFN. Oh, man. <clears throat> Anyways, um, yeah, camp was awesome. Uh, I'd never been to something like that before, so I didn't really know what to expect. But um, before that, like the week before, all the leadership um, had a day of fasting and a day of prayer. And, well, first of all, so camp was like three and a half days straight of worship and word. And that in itself was like 
that blew my mind because just constantly worshiping word and worship word. And so at the end, I was like, I felt totally in tune with the Holy Spirit. And I just, I feel like that's how it should be every day, just constantly in worship and word. Um, and then I saw things like I'd never seen before. Um, you know, during worship sessions, I saw people falling on the ground, shaking, um, full of God's presence. I saw people speaking in tongues, people uncontrollably laughing, filled with the Spirit. Um, but um, the point what I'm trying to make is that the leadership prayed, and we expected God to do something. And he, let me tell you, he showed up. Um, so our youth, there was, there was deliverance from depression, deliverance from cutting, deliverance from homosexuality. One guy was delivered from doing drugs, and it, was, it just blew my mind. And so if you expect God to do something, he will always show up, and he'll always um, even exceed your expectations. So, I mean, I don't want to take his message, so I better stop there. But, yeah, but yeah that's, that was my experience. It just totally blew my mind. Saw God move like I never did before, and I really can't wait until next year. And I can't wait to bring that to our youth group. So, more importantly. Amen. Stay here just a second. What Josh didn't tell you is that for the very first time, I know, I, I, I heard this testimony, and, 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 and there's a reason I have him up here. For the very first time, Josh, on Friday, on, on Thursday night, explain what happened Thursday night. Keegan? Oh, yeah. Um, so, Keegan brought, and he's not here, I don't think, but he had a knee injury, and it was hurting for months, and there was just one a point where I laid hands on him and just declared that his knee would stop hurting and be healed. And he was healed in the next minute, and it was just, that never happened to me before, so that was awesome. Isn't that awesome? You know, I don't ever want to be at the place. I don't ever want to be at the place. Please hear my heart. I don't ever want to be at the place where the uncommon become, becomes common. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, we just heard that there were young people delivered from cutting, homosexuality, depression, uh, knees were being healed. That is amazing. If you tell me that there is a 19-year-old that can go and lay his hands on an individual and God use him to bring healing, then I know that my God is real. My God does not have an age limitation like you and I do. If there is a three-year-old that is filled with the Spirit of God, let me tell you what, they can lay hands on you and you will be healed. Because it is not them doing it, it is God doing it through a willing vessel. Through someone that has expectates, expectations. Amen? Now we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about what expectations are. Everybody sees, sees this chair up here. Pretty simple chair. Um, we all know what it does. We all have knowledge of what this chair does, right? If I'm going to get in front of it and bend my knees, it's going to hold my weight. I know what it does. It's pretty simple. I have an expectation, and that expectation leads to faith, and that faith leads to action. I did not see anybody this morning. I have not seen anybody walk in this morning. Examine your chair. You know, make sure. Test it. Uh, ah, I kind of don't like it. I don't think I was going to hold my weight, and you move to another one. I didn't see anybody do that because we have an expectation. Amen? You guys are with me? We have an expectation. Thank you, Jordan. We have an expectation. In my hand, I have a tablet. Now knowledge produces expectations because we know what the chair can do. 
we have an a set expectation for that chair. But in my hand is a Samsung tablet. It's a pretty old tablet. It's probably about five years old. And depending on what you know about it, you can make it do whatever you want. Let me explain. My grandson sees my tablet, and he gets excited. Because he knows two things are going to come out of this tablet. Movies and games. Okay, I'll, I'll be honest with you. He sees this tablet, and that's his expectancy. He knows what it can do. Right away, he picks it up. Uh, Dappy, what's the code? I put in the code for him, and he's in there. He's, he's watching a movie. He's watching, a, you know, he's playing a game. Uh, of course, we monitor what he watches. We, we make, I always make sure it's superhero-oriented. Make sure that... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, but for me, I've got different expectations for this tablet. For me, this tablet can do so much more. Right now, I can get onto my tablet from right here at this very pulpit. I can hit, uh, because of the app that I have downloaded on here, I can hit a few buttons. Within minutes, I could bring the entire city of Santa Fe network to its knees. Because that's what this is capable of doing. I can surf the internet with it. Some of you use it for uh, music, for pictures. See, we all have different expectations. And the tablet is only as good as what? Our expectations. Amen? This tablet is only good, as good as our expectations. If I only use it to take pictures, that's all this tablet's going to do. If I only use it to play music, that's all this tablet will ever do. Whatever I expect it to do was what this tablet is going to do for me. You guys, you guys still with me? Yes, okay. I want you guys to go real quickly with me to Mark chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 21. Remember that. Expectation equals faith. Some of you don't have as much faith in my tablet as I do. You can you get it, and maybe you'll look at a few pictures. Um, your phones, my phone is an older phone, but it can still do the same thing. Basically, with the right applications, my phone can do what my tablet can do. I can get on there right now. I can program, I can program our, our switches. I can get into the police department. I can look and make sure all the activity that's going through is at performing at peak performance. I can do so much through this one little tablet because I expect and I know what it can do. But that only comes because of what? Knowledge. If you don't know how to use it, you will never use it to its full capacity or its full capability. We're going to go to Mark chapter 5, verse 21 to 34. I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead and start. Actually, I'm starting in verse tw yeah, 21. When Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the, of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. One, then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. 
Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone from him. He turned around into the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people, crowd, you see the people crowding against you, his disciple answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I know we've all had that, heard that story. If you haven't heard that story, it's an amazing story. But there's something about that woman that a lot of people don't understand. Is that, and this is something that God put, in, God put into me in camp. I didn't realize that she'd suffered with an issue of bleeding for 12 years. But a lot of people think that that's suffering. And I come to realize that that wasn't really suffering. God kept her alive for 12 years. She could have died at any moment. The type of disease she had, she could have died at any moment. God kept her alive for 12 years. He allowed her to go from doctor to doctor to doctor, and healing did not come. But because of her faith, because somewhere, some, someone had told her about the goodness of Jesus Christ, someone had told her about the healing hand of Jesus Christ, that it took her ear, and she listened to it, and she began to believe it. And when she finally found out that he was coming through her region. I don't know if she traveled far or he was coming through. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say that she went miles and miles or that he was merely just passing through her region. But when she heard that Jesus Christ had, was going to be in her region, within reach, she knew and she began to have an expectation because of what had happened and the, and the miracles that she had heard that had happened to so many others. You guys listening to me? Okay. She had an expectation. Now, it wasn't easy to get to Christ. The Bible says that there was a crowd around him. And I don't know if you've ever been in a big crowd. I'm kind of a big guy, so it's kind of easy for me to push my way through. But when you're smaller, when I was a kid, I remember trying to get through a crowd to my mom and dad as we got separated in the plaza or wherever it was, getting separated from them, and then I'm trying to find them going through a crowd. And when you're little, man, you just get pushed in every direction. You start losing track of where they're at. You don't know what's going on. And I don't know what she went through, but I know that she pushed through that crowd. And her expectation was not for him to lay hands on me. Her expectation wasn't that he would pray a great prayer and boom, she would be healed. Her expectation was if I could just touch the hem of his garment. If I could just get close enough to touch the hem of his garment, I would be made whole. The Bible says that she went through the crowd, she got there, and she just touched the hem of, her, of his garment. Immediately, she was healed. Immediately, he knew that someone had touched him. You see, I read about all these other miracles in the Bible. I read about the man that was, that, that was standing, the blind man that was standing outside, and Jesus picked up some mud, spit in it, made a little, made a little uh, contraction, and put it on, 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 the, on the blind man's eyes, and scales fell off, and he could see. But I see this one miracle, and it didn't take anything like that. All it took was her faith to bring her healing because she had an expectation. The problem with you and I sometimes is not that God won't do it. It's that we don't have an expectation that God can do it or will do it in our lives. Amen? Going to camp. We went to camp. Josh didn't tell you this part. Um, it was such an honor to go to camp. We show up there. 
Doors for the service opened, for the 7 o'clock service opened at 6.15. Now I know it's a lot of you are thinking right off the bat, that's plenty of time to get into a 7 o'clock service. 6.15 is plenty enough. I, I, can, I can leave at, at 6.55 and I'll be there at 7 o'clock. And if I get there a little late, eh, no big deal. Well, let me tell you about the expectation the kids in our youth group had. See, the things that they experienced and the things that they saw didn't come because by chance there had been teachings on let's fast, let's pray, expect God. What do you expect God to do? We begin to put that expectation on them. Meanwhile, in Dallas, Texas, starting in August, every two weeks, once every two weeks, they were meeting in the sanctuary. They were in prayer, and they were fasting for every kid that was going to be there June through July of 2018. And this happened back in 2017. From August until the, day that we, uh, until the day that camp started, they had been fasting and praying every two weeks. As they got closer, I talked to, to Michael, as they, as they got closer, it was an every week thing, and then right before, it was every other day. But there was a spirit of expectation. We want to see great things happen in our church. We've got to expect more from God. We've got to have a, we have to have an expectancy from God. Expectation equals faith, but faith also equals action. We're standing in line. Actually, we tell the kids that, okay, the doors open at 6.15, right? And at 6 o'clock, 5.45, our youth group is standing at the front door waiting for the doors to open. Oh, sorry. My wife said 5 o'clock. <laughs> I'm sorry, I downplayed it. 5 o'clock. They're standing in line waiting to get into the sanctuary. When those doors opened, I was there with them. When those doors opened, they ran full speed into the sanctuary to the very front to get the chairs closest to the front. As soon as the leaders had gotten there and saved the chairs and they knew their chairs were safe, they came to the front to begin to lift up hands and worship an almighty God. You see, Josh gave a testimony that there were young people being filled with the Spirit that were laying over under the anointing of God, that were shaking, that were laughing, that were being healed from demonic oppression, cutting, sickness, disease, addictions, not because of any other reason, but that there was an expectancy of what God was going to do. The reason we don't see that in our churches, and, I, and I've been praying about this, and I'm not pointing fingers at you, and I'm not pointing, if anything, God started talking to me. The reason we don't see this in our churches is because we have lost that expectancy. The common has become the uncommon. The Bible says that when one sinner comes to Christ, that the angels in heaven, all the angels of heaven rejoice. And yet, we're at a place that when a sinner lifts up his hands and comes to the front, we, yeah. We have to change the way we are, the expectations we have of God, in order to get where God wants us to be. Now, where does God want us to be? Like I said, knowledge is power, right? You guys understand knowledge is power. If, if I understand, I need to understand 
where God wants me. I need to understand what God can do through me. And I need to understand that God can do it. Well, I want you guys to turn real quickly with me. And if you have a Bible, I need you to turn. I want you to turn in your Bible. I want you to bookmark it. Do something, do something that you will remember this scripture. One of my favorite scriptures. John 14, verse 11 through, 20, through 21. Write it down. Get it on your market. Write it, it, whatever you have to remember this. John chapter 14, 11, verse 11 through 21. Believe me when I say that I am the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask of me for anything in my name. And I will do it. Knowledge is power. Jesus Christ. Those were the words of Jesus Christ. Believe me when I tell you this. This is Jesus Christ. That everything you've seen me or heard me do, and if you go back, backtrack through John, through John you're going to see all the different miracles that were performed, the laying of hands, the demonic spirits that left. I remembered one of my favorite stories is as he crossed, as he crossed the sea, that he got to the other side and there was a de demoniac there that had been filled with all these spirits. In fact, when Jesus Christ addressed them, the name was not a certain spirit, the name was legions, saying there were many more than one. And yet, when he spoke over that spirit, the Bible says that they asked for permission to, that if they were going to be cast out, they asked for permission to go somewhere and they saw a herd of pigs. They went in the herd of pigs and the Bible says they went over the cliff and they all died. I want you guys to understand, when Jesus said that I can do that and you can do that, I believe that I can do that. And I believe that you can do that. The problem is we've lowered the expectation of what God is going to do through us. We don't understand what God can do through us. We think that because of our past, God will not use us. We think that because of things we have done, God will not use us. The Bible says this, Jesus Christ said, I tell you the truth, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, God's love for me is not based... The problem is that some of us are basing our love... We think that Jesus is like our heavenly fathers. We think that he's like our dads or our moms, and, and, and we think that there's limitations. I, I remember growing up, I felt like I had to earn my dad's love. You know, anybody ever been there? You feel like you have to earn your parents' love? I mean, it seemed like, I, it seemed like whatever I did, I, needed to, I, I was longing for the approval of my father. When I came to Christ, I felt like I had to earn God's love. But as I begin to read his word, I find something really, really amazing about Jesus Christ. Is that he loves me for who I am. He loves me for my mistakes. He applauds me when I, when I in all my victories, he applauds me. In every mistake, he was right beside me. God loves you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to stop using you just because you've had a mistake in your life, just because you had a sin in your life. God doesn't stop using you. I think of something that they said at camp that, man, it just impacted me. If each and every one of us would realize that God's fingerprints are all over our lives, 
we would start walking a little bit differently. Because even when I was in sin, God's fingerprints were in my life. Even when I had failed God, His hand was embracing my heart. Even when I had fallen away from Him, He went after me. He didn't let me go. He went after me. And that's the kind of God that I serve. And knowing that that's the kind of God that I serve, I want to know, God, what are your expectations in my life? What are your expectations from me? I don't know if you guys are like me, but I really, really, I pray, I have such a desire to be God's hands, such a desire to be his voice. God, what do you want from me? And sometimes we have to take a risk and step out of our comfort zone and do something that doesn't feel comfortable, do something that doesn't make sense, but knowing that if God said that he would, that I would do greater things than he did, not because of who I am. You, I want you to understand when healing comes, you can never take credit when you lay hands on an individual and healing comes. There are ministries out there that will take credit for healing. There are individuals out there that will take credit for deliverance. I want to tell you what, all credit, all honor, all glory goes to an almighty God. Because without Him, without Him, it's not me, it's His Spirit in me. Without Him, I'm no one. Without Him, we're no one. Without Him, we're lacking. But with Him, we can do all things. With Him, we can lay hands on the demonic and they will be set free. With Him, we can lay hands on the sick and they will be, they will be healed. With Him, we can lay hands on the, on the drug addicted and the addiction will leave. And it's not to bring glory to us, always to bring glory to Him. Amen. You can clap. It's all about God. Amen. It's all about God. All right. I'm going to end I'm going to end right here. I want to say this. I know you didn't get to go to camp. I'm sorry. You want to go to camp? Come pour into our young people next year. You'll be a leader. You can go with us to camp. I'm telling you the truth, right? We're looking for more people. Jason's always looking for leaders. We're looking for anyone that's, that's willing to vest their lives into other individuals, into, young, into our younger generation. You want to experience what we've experienced? It's pretty simple. You can go over there and experience it on your own, but if you really want the full, the full 100% package, you've got to live in the dorms with them. You've got to sleep with them. You've got to smell their feet. You've got to smell them when they're sweaty. You gotta listen to their snoring. You gotta, but you know, all that's great. But to me, the most amazing time that I had at camp was at the end of every service, at night, as we're getting ready to go to bed, we'd gather in a room to hear every single testimony from every young person and to see what God had done in their lives that day and knowing there was another day coming. And knowing that God was not done yet. There was a young man. Um, his name is Hasiel. He's not here this morning. But Benny Pettis spoke on Thursday, Thursday night, Wednesday, on Wednesday night. Benny Pettis spoke. And simple, simple, simple message. God is good. The devil is bad. Simple message. You guys might not think much of that. But when you heard it, how he explained it, wow, it just blew you away. And then the 
the Spirit of God began to fall. And he was just praying over people. They're falling over. God is just moving in a miraculous way. And this young man, Hasiel, came to the room that night, and he was so excited. He has a cousin that has no kidneys. He's, he's only alive because of a machine that he t- was t- explained to me about the dialysis and everything he had to go through. And he said that after he heard Benny Pettis speak, that he knew that God was using that man to heal the sick. And he, in his heart, felt that he had to do whatever he could to get to that man to ask him to pray for his cousin. Well, one thing you got to understand, Jason, come up here. One thing you got to understand about YFN is if there's a preacher preaching, there's, you know, one guy here and one guy there and one guy there and another guy there. There's guys in the row that are, are instructed, don't let anybody come up here and disrupt the service. Okay? You guys have to understand that. They're all big guys like Jason. Not as good looking, but they're all big guys. And, 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 and their job is to make sure the, 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 the anointing of God that's flowing is not interrupted. Well, Hasiel doesn't know anything. I mean, this is the first time he ever, first time he ever goes to, to, to a camp like this. Bam. We were sitting in a restaurant, Cheddar's, in Amarillo, Texas. Bam. We're praying for him right there and then. We prayed salvation over his life. He accepted Christ for the very first time in his life. Bam. God's doing something great. Well, here's this guy. You can stand right here, Jason. I want you to stand right here. Don't, don't, don't get down. I didn't say you can get down. So here's, Hasiel just knows he needs to get up to that. He needs to get up there. He already wrote down the need on a piece of paper. He wrote down the need on a piece of paper, what he wanted God to do for his cousin. He got to the second row, and right away they're holding him back. You can't go up there. You can't go up there. They begin to grab him. He shook his way loose. He gets past him. The other guy tried to grab him, and Hasiel tells me, and I'm thinking in my mind, I can outrun that guy. Fix the left, fix the right, goes up, and he hands the, and he hands the minister a paper. And I saw it from the back. I didn't know it was one of our guys. If not, I would have been all, oh, man, that's one of our kids. You can sit down. He goes to the front and hands him a paper and says, and, and he, he didn't even get, I mean, the second he got up there, they pulled him off, pulled him back. But he came back. I gave him that paper. I know he's going to see what my cousin needs, and I know he's going to pray for him. I want that expectation. I want to know that God is that powerful. I want to know that you understand what God is capable of doing in your life. I want you to know that God wants to use you. No limitations. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. The Bible says that he will throw your past against you. That's not the way my God works. My God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Your sins, when you come to me and ask for forgiveness, I will remove them from you as far as the east is from the west. And here's the catcher. I will never bring them into remembrance again. Amen? So if you're being accused of something you've done, it's not God bringing it to your remembrance. It's Satan bringing it to your remembrance. It's Satan trying to bring you down. And it is time, church, that we get an expectancy and expect to see miracles in our church. Expect to see miracles when we lay hands on the sick. Expect to see miracles when we begin to pray over people and pour a blessing over them because that is the God that I serve. I serve an almighty God. Will you all stand with me this morning as I get ready to turn this over to Pastor? This morning, maybe you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ.
Maybe you don't have the full knowledge of who Jesus Christ really is. Maybe you've heard something this morning that has touched your heart. What do you mean that he can forgive me? Does he know how bad I've been? I want to tell you this morning, if that's you, we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. This morning, if you want to be like Hasiel, and you want to receive Jesus Christ in your heart, it's not hard. The Bible says that we need to accept Jesus for what he did, believe on what he did, and claim his blood over our sins. It's not hard. Before I get into this next step, I want to, I want to make this point. I want, you to, I want you to hear me. This morning, if you raise your hand, if you're making this commitment before God this morning, I don't want you to just, I don't want to just pray a prayer over you. I am serious about, it's a serious thing what you just did. And we want to pour into you. If you're making a commitment and you're receiving Christ for the first time, I'm making a commitment to you right now. If you're making a commitment that you're going to lift your hand right now and you're going to receive Christ for the very first time in your life, then I commit with you that I will give you Bible study lessons. I will sit down with you and I will disciple you and show you who God is. This church makes a commitment to you that we will disciple you. We will teach you who God is. You're not going to accept Christ today and walk out into a, into, and do something. You're not walking into something so that we can just send you out and say, oh well, good luck. No way. I believe we need to take that calling seriously. If you accept Christ this morning, I want you to get with one of our greeters as you're walking out. Give him your name and number and either I will contact you or someone in the church will contact you and we want to get together with you. And if we need to make a class, we'll make a class and lead you through this beautiful choice you've just made. Lead you through this choice that is going to change your life forever. Bring you into a relationship with an almighty God. So if that's you, will you raise your hand this morning? If that's you, if you want to receive Christ this morning, will you raise your hand? And everyone else, including yourself, Will you pray these words with me this morning? Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door to my life and receive you. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. I give my life, my heart to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to bring up my pastor. Don't forget, if you made that commitment this morning, we want to instruct you. We want to show you how good God is. We want to walk with you in your journey. We want to give you purpose in your life. We want to disciple you and show you the goodness of God. Amen? And that could be anyone in here. Maybe you're standing there in the front thinking, well, that's not me. Well, guess what? God can use you to disciple someone else. Amen? All right, Edward, thank you. Thank you. Good word. God bless you. So, guys, um, why don't you go ahead and have a seat for just a second. And uh, we're going to come around to the table of the Lord. Um, and I'll ask our communion service in just a moment. But uh, 
How many of you are interested in learning things new? Anybody interested? Does that ever intrigue you to learn something new? Okay, about 10 or 15 of you. I appreciate that. Okay. All right, so but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you whether you want to learn it or not. You're going to learn something new this morning, okay? I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. You know, um, on July the 20th, 1969, anybody know what happened on that day? July 20th, 1969. Yeah, Sam got it right here, man. All right, walking on the moon. It was uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin uh, walked on the moon. But let me tell you something that you probably didn't know. Maybe you knew this, Sam. But you know what they did before they walked on the moon? And that, you know, little Apollo, was it Apollo 11? capsule they're sitting there the first thing that they did when that that ship landed on the moon is that uh buzz aldrin wanted to serve communion on the moon i've got a little video i'm going to show you this is uh uh not the actual event but this is uh, they they did a uh, like a uh, um dramatization of this, a documentary of the, of the, uh, the whole moon landing, and this was just an excerpt from that. I'd like, it just takes a couple of minutes. I want you to watch it, and then I'll just give us some instruction on uh, taking communion, and, uh, and we'll partake. You guys can hit the lights, please. Yeah, the new moon is really dark. It was really dark when they were there then. And it's, the ship is landing. It's still just like really dark. And then Buzz is getting ready to say something. Come on, just uh, hang on just a second, guys. I know. I know. And it's just amazing. You know, you probably remember where you guys were when this was happening. You know, it was, I mean, it was just like, I mean, the whole world was watching this event. And uh, Buzz, come on, say something, Buzz. Neil, there's something I'd like to do, if you don't mind. Deke. After all the grief that Frank and the others got for reading from Genesis, and I can't be specific, but something I want to do. <clears throat> Houston, tranquility over. Roger, this is the Lamb Pilot. I'd like to take this opportunity to ask every person listening in, whoever or wherever they may be, to pause a moment and contemplate the events of the past few hours. And to give thanks in his or her own way. Over. Roger. 
nothing without me. All right, was that awesome or what? Isn't that cool? I didn't know that. I mean, the first, as soon as that, that capsule lands, they take communion and read Scripture, and it wasn't publicized because NASA had already gotten in trouble from, uh, re- how many of you remember um, Madeline Murray O'Hare? Or I think, you know, she was like, you know, American Atheist Society. And she had already started the society. They were complaining about when, you know, the uh, astronauts were circling the earth, uh, and they were reading the, the creation story out of Genesis. She had already made a big fuss about that. And so this didn't come out until later. But, I mean, it, it just, I just marvel at, you know, the first thing that happens. The very first thing ha- that happens is the Word of God is being read on, on this planet that, or this moon, the, the, the very moon that Jesus created. The Word of God is on, on this uh, creation of God. And, uh, and, you know, these two men, I mean, it just, I just marvel at the fact that, I mean, here's somebody who wants to bring honor and glory to God. Guys, that's the way that you and I should be. I mean, these are astronauts, highly intelligent guys. You know, I mean, they're, you know, just handpicked from just a, just a few people that would even qualify for that. And yet the very thing that they want to do when they land is give honor and glory to God. Some of you guys saw the triple crown, the a couple of weeks ago, Nina mentioned this. The very first thing that that jockey wanted to do is give praise to Jesus. The very first thing that, that owner, the owners of that horse wanted to do was to give praise to Jesus. The very first thing that you and I should do every day when we get up in, in the morning, the very first thing that we should want to do is just, God, how can I, I bring honor and glory to your name? How can I praise your name today? All right, so if our communion service will come forward, you guys can go ahead and stand. And while they're coming and um, getting the elements prepared for us. I want us to just each of us to search our hearts. You know, the Bible says that if we would judge ourselves, that we would not be judged. And so, uh, you know, just a quick reflection. The psalmist said, David said in Psalm 139, search me, O Lord, search me and try me and see if there's any wicked way in me. Lord, uh, you know that, and you guys know this, that all of us you know, someplace in this last week, we said something we wish we wouldn't have said or did something we wish we hadn't, wouldn't have done. Or maybe we should have said something if we didn't say it. And Lord, you know our faults. You know our sins. You know our transgressions. Sin is where we just accidentally miss the mark. We fail. We come short. Our transgressions is when we know what the Word of God says. And God, we say, God, I don't care, you know, what your Word says. I'm doing it anyway. I know your word says that I shouldn't lust after a woman. And we start justifying that in our minds, saying that surely lust can't be as bad as doing the act of fornication or adultery. And we kind of justify that. And Jesus said that if you lust after a woman, you know, you've, you've committed adultery, spiritual adultery. Or maybe we've been angry or held a grudge against someone, unforgiveness towards someone. But God, whatever that, whatever that is, Holy Spirit, just search our hearts right now. We want to confess our sin before you. We want to just say, Lord, we're sorry. Ask that you would forgive us our sin, our transgressions, our iniquity, the way that we're just bent, the, that 
hereditary thing, the sins of the fathers passed on to generation after generation. Lord, we just ask that you would break the power of sin in our life. Your word says that for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Lord, we just say you have permission in this place. Lord, destroy the works of sin and the devil in my life. Let my life be a radiation of the love and the life and the light of Jesus Christ. These are the things we pray, Father. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. So why don't you come around? You're just going to take the uh, cup and the, and the bread. You're going to go back to your seat and we'll all partake together. Okay, so um, as we're preparing to take our, you know, these elements, uh, Jesus said that this is my body, speaking of the bread, which is broken for you. 
He says, as often as you eat this bread or as often as you drink this cup, when he offered the cup, he said, this is the cup in the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins. So he speaks about his body representing the, the, his body and the blood that he shared representing this cup of communion and this bread that we partake in. And it's hard to share this story without looking and thinking about Isaiah chapter 53 when Isaiah talks about that he was a man of sorrow and that he was well acquainted with grief. And it says that he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised and pierced for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him and by his stripes we are healed. That not only means physical healing, but it means spiritual healing, spiritual healing, physical healing, emotional healing. And how I know that is because if you take that scripture along with Psalm 103, and the psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. And it says that he forgives all of my sins. These are the benefits. He forgives all of my sins, okay, and he heals all of my diseases. It goes on to say that he redeems us from the pit, and he restores us. He crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. All of these are the benefits of knowing Jesus. So when you just look at your, your, your wafer, your cracker there for a moment, you see that it's broken. It represents the brokenness of Jesus' body. We just read that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was pierced. See that hole? If you've got, some of you will have a little hole in your wafer there that represents the piercing. And you'll see a brown stripe on that made from the oven. The Bible says that by his stripes, you and I are healed. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was pierced for our iniquities. And by his stripes, we are healed. So Jesus told the disciples in the very night, he just got through washing their feet, including Judas Iscariot, washed his feet, and then he went out to betray Jesus. But that, that very night that Jesus took bread, just like this right here, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he said that, this cup is the new covenant. Remember we talked about we do one cup, but they did four cups that night. The Passover story includes, and the Passover meal includes four cups. But on that final cup, he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Shed for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we're so grateful that you have forgiven us our sins, that you have not counted our sins against us. Lord, your word says, who could stand? Who could even stand if you counted iniquity? None of us could, Father. We're so grateful that we have been freely forgiven, freely pardoned, and you welcome us as sons and daughters to come into the kingdom. We partake in this cup for the forgiveness of sins this morning. The word says, that when we do this, when we partake in the blood and of this cup, what we're doing is remembering Jesus. We remember the promises, the 2,000 years worth of promises before Jesus came. 
and the promises that he made, the life that he lived, the death that he gave up so that you and I could become the sons and the daughters of the living God. I'm going to tell you what, if you can't shout about that, you better check your pulse this morning because that's something to be excited about. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. We're going to take about a five-minute break, and we're going to come back in for the corporate meeting.